This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. The topic of today's podcast is language art. Now, the language arts is the study of grammar, punctuation, composition, spelling, and speech, usually taught as a single subject in elementary and middle school. This podcast is not about this. I'm taking a little bit different approach. This podcast is about language art, with the emphasis on language versus the language arts. Language art is art that uses language to create an aesthetic response. It's the act of putting words together in certain ways to create a certain effect. Examples would be poems, comedy monologues, creative fictions, personal essays, song lyrics, autobiographies, memoirs, comic strips, podcasts, movies, TV scripts, plays, speeches. You get the idea. Words put together to create a certain effect. Now, the reality principle. In earlier podcasts, I've indicated that writing instruction should look somewhat like the writing that students will someday be doing out in the real world. In other words, writing instruction should reflect reality to the greatest extent possible. Now, in the reality in which I exist, I've never been asked to write a poem or to go back and add more details to a memo, to use adjectives in a report to make it more descriptive, or to use dialogue in my articles to make the characters come alive. I just haven't. Well, maybe if you had, you'd sell more books. What? Maybe if you'd included a little dialogue on the way, people would want to actually read your damn books. Did you ever consider that? Well, no, because that's right, never thinking. Just throw out all those big college words on the page with your little citations to show how smart you are. My purpose isn't to sell a bunch of books. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. My purpose is to create a product that teachers can use to help them teach writing. Well, maybe that's the damn problem. Let me ask you this. Any of your textbooks ever get made into a movie? In the reality in which I exist, most people use writing to transmit ideas efficiently and effectively. However, it is entirely possible that I exist in a parallel dimension that operates in accordance with a different set of physical laws. This indeed is a possibility. But whatever, whatever dimension in which one exists, writing instruction should have some resemblance to the reality that students will encounter in life outside a school setting. So why are you writing this damn podcast? Why? I asked you first. Why am I writing this chapter or this podcast? Again, I asked you first. You got listening problems? Why are you wasting all this space talking about language art when most people don't do any language art in their real world adult lives? While it's true that most students will not be doing language art 
in their real-world existence outside of school, this doesn't mean that it should be excluded from writing curriculums. As a matter of fact, I strongly recommend that all students have an abundance of opportunities to do all kinds of language art. Every kind of language art should, should find its way into a K-12 language arts curriculum. Why? Three reasons. First, it will liven things up a bit. Imagine that, education that's not boring. Now notice the different reactions that you have to, to the following sentence. Boys and girls, today we're going to learn how to write a five-paragraph essay. Can you picture anybody in your class getting excited about this? Now consider this sentence. Boys and girls, today we're going to learn how to create comedy monologues. Totally different feel. Rule of thumb in teaching is this. If you want students to enjoy learning, create something enjoyable for them to learn. The second reason. Language art is more likely to create the conditions whereby students want to write. Motivation is an essential part of learning of any kind, and it's an essential part of teaching writing. Now, there are students who hate expository writing, who seem to put forth very minimal effort for reports and other types of required essays in writing. But some of these same students will often spend hours with creative writing projects because they find them enjoyable. And it fulfills this innate need to create. As well, students are often very motivated to write if they know they're going to be able to share or perform their language art with peers. And the third reason, as described in earlier podcasts, the same process used with language art transfers to academic and professional writing. Regardless of the genre or form, the same five steps are used. Pre-writing, drafting, revising, editing, and then sharing and publishing. It's all about the process. However, it's not an academic standard. Let me explain. Language art is an important thing. Language art is an important thing. However, the minute people realize something's important in education, there seems to be a sudden rush to create an academic standard related to that important thing. Students are then required to demonstrate their ability to perform that important thing, and teachers are required to document students' demonstration of their performance of the important thing. But this is not at all important for something that's as, as important as language art. Language art is not an end, but a means to a greater end. The greater end being the ability to create, express, and transmit ideas efficiently and effectively. Language art is but one vehicle to help you get there. It's an important vehicle, but it's not the destination. 
Also, language art leads to other greater ends, none, none of which could or should be captured or contained or constrained by academic standards. These greater ends include understanding of self and others to a greater degree, exploring one's consciousness and unconscious, expressing or communicating ideas and issues that might otherwise lay dormant, seeing the commonality of the human experience, perceiving more fully and being more connected to the world, perceiving important, preserving important moments and ideas, and learning how to use critical thinking, creative thinking, and problem solving in the creation of a product or performance. For these reasons and more, language art should be an essential part of all K-12 curriculums, but it should not be included in any academic standards related to writing or English language arts. Language art is an important thing, but many important things exist apart from academic standards in educational settings. You can't standards your way to good education. So let's look at the importance of art in our K-12 curriculums. Let's start with an understanding of what art is. Art is not something beautiful. Art is something beautifully described or portrayed. There are many instances of beautiful art portraying horrific events or ideas. Consider the many outstanding award-winning books, movies, TV shows, and even music portraying unpleasant events, but done so in a way to be considered art. Now, over the weekend, I saw the play A Soldier's Story by Charles Fuller. It dealt with the ugly subjects of racism and murder during World War II, Yet the acting, the writing, the stagecraft was brilliant. It was one of the most beautiful works of art I have seen. Other plays like Les Miserables and Miss Saigon resulted in my leaving the theater in tears, horrible things portrayed beautifully. So what the importance of the arts in education? Let's take a look at that. In times of budget shortages, the arts are more often one of the first things to be cut. And I'm going to describe six reasons why this is to our detriment. First, it enhances learning. Every experience we have connects a new set of neurons, strengthens neural pathways, and expands our neural networks. Our experiences literally impact the physical shape of our brain. The arts use different parts of our brain than other types of cognition. New types of neural networks are established. Our learning organ is expanded and enhanced. More expansive neural networks enable us to learn more and to learn more efficiently. The second idea cultivates important dispositions. The arts cultivate cognitive dispositions that are essential to writing, as well as problem solving in general, and the creation of products or performances in all areas. These dispositions are a willingness to think outside the box and to imagine possibilities, 
an inclination to embrace ambiguity, and an ability to generate ideas, to recognize multiple perspectives, and to accept a variety of resolutions. The third reason develops more complex thinking. The arts contribute to the development of more complex forms of thinking. Now, in today's schools, there's an overemphasis on convergent, logical, and deductive thinking to the exclusion of divergent, intuitive, and deductive thinking. Yet, it is the latter, divergent thinking, intuitive thinking, and deductive thinking, that have led to some of humanity's greatest innovations. The arts contribute to this. The fourth idea is understanding ourselves and others. The arts promote greater understanding of ourselves and others. They enable us to examine those parts of ourselves that may have been ignored. They give shape to the feelings and ideas rummaging around in our head and transforms them into that which can be made public. As well, the arts enable us to look more deeply and to see the greater commonality in the human experience, one that transcends time, geography, race, ethnicity, society, status, and religions. This deeper look helps us to connect with others in more meaningful ways. The fifth idea is self-actualization. The arts can become a vehicle toward self-actualization. Part of self-actualization then involves integrating the conscious and unconscious parts of one's personality. It's only by bringing unconscious images, wants, and feelings to consciousness is one then free to act upon them. The arts allows these images and ideas to interact with other human beings, and in so doing, creates a more dynamic and more richly defined interaction between the ego and the self. This can all be done through poetry, writing, music, dance, the visual arts, drama. And last, the sixth reason, our humanity. Art is an expression of our humanity. It's what makes us human. In 500 years, people looking back at this time aren't going to be looking at our spreadsheets or software programs or memos or our reports on grain exports from Bolivia. They'll be looking at our art. That's who we are. We are our art. By excluding art from our curriculums, we are excluding an important part of ourselves. All right, art uh, textbooks as art. Finally, let us consider the textbook as art. Now, in talking with artists and musicians, YouTubers, visual artists, dancers over the years, I've come to realize that many of the same processes they use to create their art are used to write my textbook. That led me to think about these boring old textbooks as a form of of art. Textbook is art? What the hell? You gotta be kidding me. Aren't you getting a little full of yourself? Just hang on with me for just hang with me for a minute here. I'm going to make a point. 
Oh, I know all about your little points. There's nothing even remotely Mona Lisa-like in this pile of word garbage. Well, what about you? What about me? You only exist because I've strayed a bit from the technical into the artistic. If it weren't for this, you'd be just an ignored part of my unconscious, buried deep among all the insecurities and neuroses. But I've breathed life into you and given you voice. You are alive because of me. Well, you do got a point there, Dr. Frankenstein. Now, we've all been forced to read textbooks that were definitely not art. They were cumbersome, unwieldy, boring, irrelevant, and confusing. There's no way we'd read them unless we were threatened with an exam. The authors of these textbooks didn't understand the art of textbook writing. They seemed to think of themselves as mere distributors of information. The thinking was that if they distributed enough of the right kind of information with enough of the right kinds of citations, then they would have written a good textbook. To them, writing, a, writing was simply a technical endeavor, and their product showed it. They usually end up writing technically bad textbooks. There are other textbooks that stray too far. They're too wordy and irrelevant. I find myself shouting at the pages, get to the point. Probably like you're doing right now. But all ideas, no matter how good, are irrelevant if nobody reads them. It's not just the ideas that are important. Rather, it's how the ideas are expressed. That determines if people are going to want to read them and understand them. Anybody can take complicated ideas and write complicated gobbledygook. It takes no special talent. However, a really good writer of textbooks takes complicated ideas and makes them seem simple. That's the art in textbook writing. Now, in the book that I'm writing about writing, I'm trying to make the ideas accessible to all. My publisher, Rutledge, gave me permission to write a different kind of textbook, one that includes a different way of seeing and understanding and thinking. It's designed to provoke both an efferent and an aesthetic response. So in this way, these ideas may be seen more fully and understood more deeply. Again, art is not a beautiful idea. It's an idea beautifully expressed. My textbooks may not be good art, but I'm trying to express these ideas, this knowledge and skill, in a way in which people will understand them and actually want to read them. They may not be beautiful, but hopefully they'll be beautifully understood. All of which to say that the arts, language art, is an important part of every K-12 curriculum and language art specifically should be part of every K-12 language arts curriculum. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.